Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business marketing and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Excited to have my guest today, Dalton Dartry, on the show. He is one of the first people to have me on his show, his re- recruiting startup podcast. I'm super grateful for that about a year ago. And he gave me the opportunity for me to share my journey and my pivot into recruiting. And I really appreciate that. I talk about that a lot. People that give me a chance, you know, it means a lot to me. And I believe his show, this is interesting too, I believe his show was where for the first time I publicly said that I was let go from Vayner. I used the word fired. And that, that was a lot for me, man. And it was quite liberating um, because optics are important, man. But for me, I felt saying that opened up a lot. It opened up a lot of vulnerability. And I appreciate him giving me that forum to, to, have, that, to have that conversation. But enough about me. This dude is a killer global recruiter. This guy is literally, I'm looking at him right now, he's pulling his hair out because he's got so many balls in the air and trying to figure things out. But what he has really done, um, he recruits recruiters and he's truly established himself and his brand on LinkedIn. And he focuses on the London recruitment market right now, as well as a global team that recruits across the rest of the world. And they place agency recruiters all over the place with a massive focus on the U.S., we were just talking about LA. He's got a big thing going on right now. So fingers crossed for him, sending some of that good recruitment mojo in his direction. And they also work with clients all around major markets like London, Dublin, Sydney, Melbourne, Hong Kong, New Zealand, and the Asian markets as well. You get the picture. You get it. This guy is everywhere. I am thrilled to have him on the show today to share his story and a whole lot more. Dalto, welcome to the podcast. Whoa, what an intro. <laughs> Yeah, man, dude. I, I try, man. I try to hype people up here. So my own mother doesn't love me that much. <laughs> I try, man. I give the love, man. So listen, my 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 US people, they may not know you, but hopefully they do, especially the recruiters out there that see you knocking on their door. But for those who don't know you, real quick, why don't you just give everyone your backstory a little bit? Don't give too much away, but just kind of, you know, talk about your from when you were conceived, when your when your parents came together and conceived you to your birthing to where we are now. Yeah. Okay. Teenage parents, no, we're not going to go into that. Um, I am from Ireland originally. and I lived there for the first 20 years of my life. My parents moved to Central Europe, to Brussels, where I went over and I became a bartender for, I would say, a good eight years until I nearly drank myself to death. Yeah. Um, in that time, I managed to get a degree in a postgraduate in marketing. Um, but I never managed to get myself into the professional world. Couldn't find where I fitted. You know, like I didn't speak the languages for that area. I, I didn't have the, I didn't have what it takes to really work in banking and punch numbers into a keyboard all the time. And so I just took myself to Australia and tried to reinvent myself. And uh, it was just after the recession hit. And I ended up working on a farm for three months picking beans and a lady beside me said you should go to Perth in Western Australia there's a mining boom there 
and I said, oh, what's mining? Like, mining. like what, what is it? Like, what is that? And she couldn't really tell me. She just said, like, just people are, my sister is make is a cleaner and she's making a hundred grand a year. So my girlfriend and my wife, my, my new wife and I, we went up, we Googled Perth. We saw, wow, this, this thing called mining, everybody's making loads of money. Essentially, it's, they dig the stuff, they dig the iron ore out of the ground, they move it to China, and it's sold all over. Okay, so China dictates all the stuff that happens in wow. West Australia. So we got into recruitment, and it just worked. And so you're recruiting miners. No, actually, it was technology, but the whole industry was driven right. by the mining and oil and gas industry. The back, the back end of it, the real business end of it. Yeah, so like BHP. Mm -hmm. uh, Rio Tinto, those major companies are the drivers behind the economy. And I was just putting in uh, d different types of technology professionals into those companies, into smaller companies, learning my trade for about three years. And and that was a time when you were pulling in people from, from out of country as well, right? Um, not, so it's an interesting one. So when I was in Western Australia, I was working for a major company. Uh, it was called Robert Walters, very like Robert Half, who you'd be aware of in the right. in the U U.S. Um, Australians don't like people from the outside Australia, especially country Australia. So it's it's very much they're okay with us Irish and Brits to a point, but you can only really make money taking an Australian from one company and putting them into the next that's that, that's where the money was that's that's real interesting and, it was, and it's a question that i had for later on but i'm gonna but i'm gonna ask it now right like and, and you manage across so many different markets and countries how do you work with all those nuances how do you work i mean i'm not even talking just about the time zones because you, you figure out how to hack that but like you know managing the recruiting is different in every country and in every sector of the world how do you manage working conversations in and out daily well th there's a couple of things there that you've mentioned the, the nuances are biggest between the U.S. and the rest. Because mm -hmm. in, so? in the U.S., there's a great culture of independent recruiters who do it for five minutes, set up their own company, um, are all in Facebook groups. They're learning it. They're doing it. They have their own lifestyle business. They make lots of money. They never really scale. Um, they've created a great job for themselves. The other part of that economy is the American firms are mainly split into 180 firms where you have old front end sales guys, you know, with all the connections. And then you have like a pit of resources. Right. The delivery mm -hmm. on the delivery thing. So that's a big nuance there. But everywhere else in the world, it's mainly 360. So it's full desk. It's full desk clients, candidates. And you wouldn't believe the Americans I speak to. And they say, no, I'm full desk. And I'm like, okay, well, walk me through your business development. Oh, I don't do business development. So you're not full desk. Then. No. Okay. So it, it, the, the big difference is the, the UK really run 360 aggressive, scalable recruitment firms. And that model has dominated most of the world. And they're scaling. Those companies are all scaling in the USA right now. So I would say if we're led by anything, it's been the growth of these UK recruitment firms. And that's a comfortable world for us because I'm from that world and I know it. And there's one of them in every country around the world. 
Yeah, it's interesting too. You talk a lot about the 360 desk, and I think that's something that's missing from a lot of you know U.S. recruiters because I think the 360 desk, and you will attest to this, it's really about that relationship building, right? It's 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 a full complement of it. You're about you you take a client, you're the one who brings them in, you're the one who develops and nurtures that relationship all the way through to delivery, right? And the other side, a lot of the times, it's like, all right, I bring you in, I'm a sales guy, I'm pulling you in, and then I'm throwing you to the wolves the delivery yeah. part. And I think that's what's missing too. So what attracts people from out of the U.S. to come to the U.S.? What's a big draw, man? Well, I think New York and L.A. hold a big draw for people globally. Um, you know, that's just down to TV really, isn't it? Uh, it's, they're unbelievable places as well. So from a, from a lifestyle perspective, like who wouldn't want to go there for a few years, right? Right. In New York, there's only one New York, man. Yeah, man, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, there's misconceptions that it's easy. It's fucking not easy, right? I, mean, I, I can speak to that myself, man. I, I've, been, I've been all the way up the mountain. I've been down in the gutter. Yeah, but it is rewarding if you're up the mountain, right? So it's a market that's less saturated than the UK market. If you look at, I don't have the facts in front of me, but I, essentially there's X, X amount more recruiters in the UK. Per capita. Yeah. Yeah, and I've and I've seen that and I've seen that stat before. And it's funny because when you're a New York based recruiter, you're like, holy shit, everyone and their mother's a recruiter. Yeah. But if you look at it in other cities, especially in London, man. I mean, it's everybody. And I, I we've had this conversation offline. I mean, I've worked at a UK firm and it's a different mindset. And I think that makes you a hungrier recruiter. Yeah. Right. It's having that balance, that sales mindset, that shark balance from the bringing in the business, but also being mindful of being that empathy, empathetic relationship first kind of guy. Yeah, but it, it, it's also you you brought in the client, you got you got the job on, you're working that job, but you're using your shortlist and you're skinning every bit of information to pick up the next job, get the get the shortlist out to market, keep creating the cycle and keep keep the cycle has to perpetuate itself because if you just work one search, then you could be two months, you could blank the next month because you haven't worked that pipeline. So the UK mentality is to really drive that home always so where's your pipeline at where's it coming from okay you've got a you've got a short list of five people where are they interviewing great okay why have what why don't you have those jobs on how are you going to get those jobs on they're constantly asking you these these questions and your question your answer to them is because i haven't called them because i haven't reached out to them and so after a while you get into answering that question before they answer it right and you hit something that's really important too. And I have this conversation with a lot of recruiters about those core characteristics and, and, and mindsets that make a successful recruiter. And, you know, for me, there's two things. One, it's tenacity, which I talk about all the time. And it also comes from being inquisitive and being naturally inquisitive and, and continuing that line of questioning where you're always looking a few steps ahead. How do I understand my client's business? How do I understand maybe... Maybe you're, you're reading between the lines that maybe that they're, they're going to have a, a hiring you know, influx or maybe a hiring reduction too. And how could you get ahead of that? How could you put yourself in a position where you kind of have a sense of what's coming down the, down the pipe and you have people almost ready to go? That's what separates the good recruiters from the bad. But my question to you, you know, in, in your opinion, what, what really makes a good recruiter, man? What is it? Um, I, I could talk about certain characteristics I see maybe. Um, it's a very hard thing to define, but firstly, asking good, good questions and being able to develop rapport instantly through that. It's not about selling as such, but it's more about gentle 
gentle, constant persuasion. Um, yeah, tickling the balls, right? Yep, exactly. And, and <laughs> I'm married. I haven't seen that in a while. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think you said tenacity. I would I would say it's somewhere between t- tenacity and grit, because tenacity is okay until you get punched in the face then you need grit to get back to being tenacious again. I love it, man. And it's those calluses that you build along the way as a recruiter, yeah. right? That make you stronger. It's taking your punches and getting back up and hitting back even harder and understanding what, where, where, did, where did you make that mistake? Where did you take that misstep? Or maybe you didn't do anything wrong. And maybe, you know, I talk about it a lot of time. The thing that makes our business so different is that X factor. And that X factor is a human X factor. We could lead a candidate to water. We could lead them to the job. We can't force them to take that job. And the same yeah. thing on the and same thing on the client side too. So, you know, I, I, I love asking this question to recruiters. Back back when you were starting and you were, you know, in Western Australia, what what was that first big mistake that you made as a recruiter? You're like, fuck, I fucked up. I could have done this differently. I just cost myself a nice little commission there. Do you remember that? Um, I've done, I did some stupid things. Um, but to be honest, I was micromanaged within an inch of my life. So the the mommy manager I had made sure I didn't fuck up at all and thank God for it. So that, that was the big one. If I'm sure I pissed people off, but I also think there, I, I might have some sociopathic tendencies. When it comes <laughs> to this. Like I can be pretty numb. Um, I can trust the numbers. I can, I, I know, I know like if when a deal falls over, I don't really get emotional. I just kind of get on to the next. When a deal comes in, I just get on to the next. So I think over time, at the start, I used to get really upset or I'd drink too much or I'd, I'd just lose a run of myself. Or I'd get, right. like, now I'm much more measured and cold about it. <laughs> if that, because no, no, I'm, it's, it's I'm just people letting me down all the time. Yeah. So it, when they don't, I'm like, oh, that's a pleasant surprise. And then I just get on with my day. And I think you hit the nail on the head too. I think when recruiting too, especially when you're starting out, it's emotional and you got to take the emotion out of it. You're going to win and you're going to lose. And I use the baseball, you know, the U S baseball analogy too. a baseball player. If you're a 350 hitter, that means 35% of the time you're hitting the ball. You're a hall of famer, right? Mm -hmm. In our world, same thing, man. If I'm closing one out of three deals, I'm killing it. Right. If you're thinking about it from a volume perspective as well. So you have to be okay with those losses because that's part of the game. That's part of it, a part about what we do here. Um, and you've built out a pretty big team too. Talk to us a little bit about your approach to staffing up your own firm. Yeah. So it's like, I've, I've been going over four years now and it was very much a lifestyle business when we started. Not that I, I wanted it to be, but I was in Calgary working for, uh, I suppose you call it a search firm. Um, and I went to Calgary when the oil and gas crash happened, the worst time to go to Calgary, the, the oil and gas epicenter. Um, and I had a terrible year. And that, and that was the first time I faced adversity in recruitment. And I really failed. And it, I couldn't get it going. So my wife says to me, you know, what are we going to do? Like, let, uh, and we were, we, I remember we were in a cafe it was snowing outside. It was, I was miserable. I was it, was like, ju- it was July. It was snowing in Calgary. July, yeah. It was actually like March. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or April. It was probably April, right? Um, and she said, when, when were we last happy? When, when were you last like, really into this? And I was like, remember when we did our own thing, our own business for a little while? 
and she's like, well, let's go do that. Let's go do that. And Fuck yeah, man. we packed our bags. We sold our furniture, got, got out of our leases, quit our jobs, and we moved to Guatemala. 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 And we got a service office. Our service department had just sat in there on LinkedIn and started placing recruiters around the world. And over time, Charlotte wanted to have children. She wanted different things. What, what it got her to do was all the administration in the business and all, all the stuff I don't want to do. But we created jo a job out of that. And then when we were back home in Europe, we were traveling around Europe for a year um, and Charlotte got pregnant. I say that like it's her fault, right? Like, fuck. Um, still, <laughs> the best thing that happened in your life. We'll I edit that. We'll edit that. Mind. When Charlotte hears this, we're going to edit that out. Yeah, yeah. Love you, Connor. <laughs> so we were driving around Europe and Charlotte was like, listen, I can't be doing this anymore. We're moving back to the UK. We're going to have a normal life, a normal business. Stop messing around. Um, we, so we hired Andrea, who was our first virtual assistant. Um, her job was quite basic at the start, but then she then went from like formatting resumes to um, to like delivering resumes to scheduling to sourcing to yeah. account management and everything really except influence and speaking to candidates and, cl and clients. And then we got Arena and we did the exact same thing with Arena and Arena is based in Serbia and we were able to get her, uh, both of them on Upwork and then put them onto our own, our own paying system then. And then with Irina, Irina said, well, look, I don't want to just be a VA. I want to be a recruiter. So awesome. like, okay, great. But you have to go through all of this. Yeah, we've got to teach you how to be a recruiter. I mean, it's not like you just flip a switch and you're recruiting. Yeah, so, especially when it's actually, remote. Especially when it's remote and you don't have proper structure in place. So You can't sit with them. You can't be face-to-face. -face, you can't be screen-to-screen. -screen. I mean, there's that, that difference there. Yeah. And, and because I wasn't putting sales targets on them either, it, it, it was different. So now I'm at a point where Arena is doing the full thing, mostly. And, and that's taken a long road to get to that point. And and then we now we've just taken on our our next girl who's called Florina and she's in Romania, and she's going to do that as well. So what we're doing is, um, one will focus on just IT recruiters, and then that'll be spread across all our marketplaces. Another will do oil and gas, pharma, and a few other technical. Another will do financial services, accountancy, I love it, man, and banking. It's and then I'm at the top of the funnel. Mm -hmm. So well, Charlotte, Charlotte's at the top. You're, you're just underneath. Yeah. Know. Charlotte comes in when she wants. So Charlotte manages the girls. She's, so what she's doing at the moment for me is she's uh, interviewing pay-per-click uh, consultants. She's managing our marketing team. She's doing a bit of sourcing and she's managing the girls to make sure that they're all sourcing in the correct manner. Um, in, in rec to rec is very sourcing led. And yep. Yeah. You got to, you're, you're back to mining, man. You're back oh, to mining. 100%. I mean, Absolutely. that's what sourcing is, right? And I always use the analogy too. I use like, I like to use the farming analogy, right? Like sometimes you're plowing the field, sometimes you're seeding, you're watering, right? And then it's harvest time, right? And in and, and the different phases in that. But I want to get back to something I find really interesting too. Sure. Um, you know, the relationship that you, you have with your wife in business, I think it's a very unique thing. And not everybody could do that. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's very tough. And I've had some interesting conversations with my wife too, just at a very high level, like yeah. we actually work together, right? Yeah. And some days I'm like, 
I can't wait. This would be awesome. And my wife's a, a, a beast when it comes to, you know, work and everything. But talk to us a little bit about, you know, the, the good and the bad about working, you know, with your, with your spouse, right? Like, let's go back the curtain a little bit too. Like, do, cool. are you able to separate yourself, you know, physically, um, emotionally, mentally, and still have your space, your time? What's that like? I think it's been an, entangled in our relationship for so long that I don't know if we do separate it. Um, she has a very different skill set to me, thank, thankfully. Um, and that there means that like, she's not in the office right now. So we won't be in each other's space. So you're not stepping on each other's toes. No, not at all. Got it. Um, and what I do is very different. Like she comes in from a process improvement, a change perspective, and she'll do her own thing. And, and if we get an executive search position on, she'll do that. Whereas like I'm slinging recruiters all day. Like I'm, I'm slinger. Yep. like the, guy, the guys are doing the sourcing all the time. I'm, I'm steering the ship and I'm talking to recruiters and to search firm owners and, and doing that. And it, it's, we've kind of, that separation of, of that is, is really good because we really don't step, step on each other's toes. And like, I'll come with the big idea, but she'll have to be the one to deliver it because I'm useless. And I find over time, we've just got a bit better at it and we put up with each other a bit better. So not to get too personal, right? But sometimes you want to get back to, you know, the, the romantic side of the relationship too. Do you find yourself, like say you're having a nice dinner together, right? Do you make it a point to really try to not talk about work? How do you handle that? Um, we don't make it a point, no. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know how to answer that, to be honest with you. And um, like, we're kind of happy enough in our, own little, in our own little bubble like we're real busy with two young kids. I hear you, man. I'm right there. Um, um, we've lots of friends and stuff in common and sometimes work comes up, but Charlotte's not really like Charlotte wouldn't be able to normally tell you who we have in process at like all of that's not weighing on her head all the time. So if we talk about work, I'll be like, Oh, did you manage to get that thing? And she'll go, leave me alone. And I go, yep. okay. You know, yeah, you got, you got, you got to listen. No, I appreciate that, man. I think it's really insightful too, um, and I love learning about how those relationships work. It's something that I might be exploring, um, you know, in the future myself. So let, let's shift a little bit too. I want to talk about, you know, how you brand yourself, how you brand your agency. Um, you know, first and foremost, you know, how have you been using that podcast to generate clients uh, and engage with potential candidates? Good question. I suppose. Um... Podcast. Uh, firstly, I was getting bored of just doing the same thing. Yep. And like, I have some great friends in recruitment. Like, I I, I love recruiters. Like, I like they're, they're all crazy people like me. <laughs> and, and I have so much. I had so much fun like traveling the world and working in, in agency recruitment. And my friends have all done it all over the world. And I just wanted to tell those stories, and I wanted to see where it went. And then. As soon as I got good, I got good at it, and I learned how to take a story from one to the next to get people to tell you stuff that they wouldn't normally. Like when I got you to tell me about Gary V, and it—it's it, just as soon as you get to that point, then I was like, okay, great. I'll get—I'll bring on clients and I'll disarm them, and I'll show a better side to them that they're not showing on their corporate end. And then what I'll do is that's call that 
pillar content. And we built that up for a while. And then we got real confident with it. So we flew to New York and we did mini podcasts with our clients. Yeah, that's I tried to meet up with you, but you were away uh, that I weekend. Yep. Um, and I'm doing the same with LA now in November and London and Dublin. Um, and we'll probably do the other markets as and when. Great way to travel the world on the tax ban. Yep, I'm working on it, man. Got to get myself out to SourceCon. Yeah, good man. So that's pillar content. And what Gary Vee calls the content distribution model is that you have your pillar content and then you chop it up and then you make sure it goes to all the channels. But in order to do all of that, I rebranded from Pro Recruitment Solutions to Dual to Doherty and Partners. And I did that because if I'm going to be hiring... Um, lots of sourcers. I I want everybody to be very clear who they're working for, and if my name is the one that's kind of out there with the podcast and all the rest, I want that every connection feels like it's at least some form of a connection for I like me. Him, and I, I my friend is one of the top branding guys in the UK, so he said, "Buy me dinner, and I'll do your branding for it." Nice. I mean, kudos to you, man. I mean, I'm, I'm a student of the game. You know, we've been connected for a bit too and you're omnipresent. Uh, the, the approach is there, the consistency, the volume. I mean, you're there, you're in my feed consistently. So definitely, um, you know, kudos on that. So I want to, I want to take it home here. Um, bunch of questions that I like to ask everybody and I especially like to ask recruiters this and I like to ask content creators this too. What does the word authentic mean to you? What does authenticity mean to you? I think it means in terms of content creation, I like to make feed off the other person's authenticity. So if I'm interviewing, I want to get their story. I don't want to get my agenda in their story. If I'm being authentic in how I present myself, then I'll try and be true to whatever's on my mind. Um, and yeah, I'm a bit of a sarcastic, cynical fucker at times. And I, I, probably, I, like come it, across, I probably come across like that on LinkedIn, but that's who I am. Um, I, I, I'm not the suited and booted guy. Like I, I had to for a while, but the first opportunity I could get out of that corporate world, I was out. 100%. So authentically, like I'll be doing a LinkedIn video walking my dog in the morning. Like, and if you don't like that, fuck you. Like, I don't care. Yeah, so, just be, be yourself, dude. Yeah, my clients are corporate. You might be corporate. I can I can definitely help you out. But, like, I'm not making any of the people who work for me, like, act in a corporate manner. So I suppose there's a kind of fine line where I don't want to come across, I mean, too too, too loose. <laughs> right. There's a level of professionalism that you yeah. need to keep all being authentic to your true self and, and the authentic brand that you've created and that you and your wife have envisioned, right? Yeah. And I think, look, we, we had good professional careers in recruitment before we went into Rack to Rack. And I, I think most people who get into Rack to Rack have no recruitment experience or very little or not high level. And like she worked for Chevron and BHP in, in recruitment. Uh, it, you know, I did executive IT. So, yeah, it's a... Uh... But yeah, you hit on something interesting, and I want to double back for a minute on there, too, and because I'm curious about this one, too. Recruiting for recruiters is a different mindset, right? 
because you understand the motivation of a recruiter too. I mean, what's one of those key questions that you ask a recruiter to understand their motivation, why they want to move aside from money? Well, I think, I think everything comes back to money and whether that's the money that they're making or the money that they're earning for their company. So, um, I will have, I'll have a general conversation about their career, but what they're liking, what they're not liking. But when I'm getting into the billings, that'll tell the story because if they're not billing, I'll find out why. And usually it'll be my, my boss, my desk, What's the, the economy, the competition. Mm -hmm. the, and then it's, is that really the case or are you just not tough enough? Yeah. Is it an excuse or you're just not cut out for this shit, man? Yeah. And if you're, but sometimes, sometimes it's just, they've just been unlucky. But if they've been unlucky three times, I don't know. That means that their decision-making process isn't right. So if their decision-making process isn't right and they, they've not been able to do it, maybe they're not in the right game because you have to be really clinical with your decisions, I think. Yeah, recruitment, one, one, one misstep, one misword. I mean, you have to be pretty mindful about how you communicate. And I'm not just talking about communicating with clients. I mean, it's really the candidates. Managing that candidate experience. I mean, I was taught early on by an old school recruiting vet too. It's, 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 and I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but the, the expression is candidate control, right? And it's about managing the candidate through the process. Make sure that you understand their motivations, where they are, if they're interviewing elsewhere, if they're making sure that they're not communicating directly with, you know, with, with your clients, yeah. all those steps are critical. So get, getting back to, you know, my, 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 my final just kind on, of segment. Just, just on that yeah, though, please, one, of the things, one of the things we do on that is we map out their journey. So um, say you want to go to LA mm -hmm. and you're a recruiter in the UK. I'll bring you from LinkedIn into WhatsApp with my team. My team will then send, will then in WhatsApp, we'll get your resume, we'll get your facts and figures, we'll get your reasons for wanting to go there, all the rest. We'll then send you all the links to all the podcasts and media that we've done in, 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 in LA. We'll make you listen to that, do all that. And then we'll start just, we'll, we'll agree a course of action. I like it. You, what we usually find is somewhere in that process, they're very happy to work exclusively because they can see that we've got a higher level of communication with the client, a bit more knowledge on the marketplace and all the rest. But we still have to clarify that because they just, they always let you down. Yeah. I mean, always in the end. And I love that approach, man. I mean, you're really establishing that relationship and branding yourself and what separates you from the other, you know, rec to rec agencies that are probably calling them as well. That's critical. From the, from the moment they come into WhatsApp, I'm mapping out their journey with my team. Um, critical. And whether that's their journey for this one, or if they want to do it in a year's time, here's what you have to do if you want to get this move in the future. And then that there comes into the cycle for, for, for later on. And that's interesting too that you're using WhatsApp and I assume it's because it's, it, it works internationally across all your different markets as well. And it's a very seamless integrated system. That's interesting. I haven't heard of anyone yeah. using that. It takes. And it's always on your phone. So, yeah. So there's too many messages coming into LinkedIn and, and nobody logs into their emails onto their laptop anymore. So I found that I was getting too many candidates ghosting me. Yep. So people are, people like if they ghost me on WhatsApp, I'm I'm texting them on their phone. Hey, jump into WhatsApp. Like, like I have a guy ghosting me right now, stressing me out. But I know how to get him. Whereas if this went emails, this could go cold and it'll go cold for too long. And then I don't have enough contact with with that. So I find that it it 
it takes the relationship somewhere in the in the personal out of the professional and like we by the end of it they feel really serviced that you know they've got to know us we've got to know them we've got their best interests at heart yep but another thing on candidate control my yeah. whole thing from when i started was there's always a better job for somebody so like don't try and sell the job you have like map out who all the people are at the next tier down who want to get to that job and then sell the job to those people because it's the right job for those people like if if i find i'm persuading somebody too hard to take a job or persuading them too hard to go to new york or la they just don't go or they they just make a balls of it right so it's, it's always about mapping as you said mapping out who the right people are for that job and then maneuvering them in the direction guys this is anyone listening here this is this is really recruitment 101 here i mean and actually i'm going to call it recruitment 201 here because we're taking a, a really smart approach to it's 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 not being so transactional short term and thinking more long term about the relationship that you have with these candidates and not just trying to place them into that one immediate job that you have but thinking a little bit more holistically thinking a little bit a little bit more 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 long term and i think that's a mindset that more recruiters um need to get into so thought that what outside of recruitment and we're talking about just life in general man what what is that what is that one golden piece of advice that you have received you know yeah. not that you've received but that you've received and then you pay forward to others Outside of advice, uh, I don't know. I don't know, but I would say that if you wanna, if you wanna be in recruitment, you wanna run your own farm. I think it's it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So, like, be kind to yourself during the day. Get to the gym. Get outdoors. You know, ha make sure you have time for family. Make sure that you're not isolated in a room by yourself on a screen, being let down by people on both sides of the coin all day. So managing yourself and your emotions and your health and all of that is really key to survival because the guys who are building the most, they're not the best. They're just the people who've been around for the longest and know their market the best and have survived. And, and that's it. So if, yeah, uh, if I could give anybody advice, it would be that. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, another question that I ask everybody too, you know, what, what is your superpower, man? Like, what do you do better than anybody else? What makes you shine? I think it's probably an obsessive compulsive disorder and it might be ADHD. There's definitely something slightly skewed in my worldview. <laughs> and I'm, I, I'm not too bad at taking a punch. So yeah. I may have just found my calling. I dig it, man. I mean, that's, that's recruiting one-on-one and, and last but not least when, when, when things are not going well, you're having a shitty day, candidates are, are going South candidates, you know, clients are going North candidates are going South different directions. Um, and you're having just a shitty day. Things are not going well. It's doom and gloom. And on the flip side, when things are going great and you're having a great week, a great month, even a great day and you just spend some great time with your son and your wife and you want to show gratitude. What is it that you look to? What is your North star to pull you up? um it's just about it comes back to just being being kind to yourself like get just get down to the gym like get get out for a run do whatever it is just to just to get rid of the rid of the cobwebs and then just get back to it like stop 
don't don't stress too much about it. Like it's not the end of the world. It, you know, if you manage your if you manage your health right, if you don't drink too too much, which too much, you know, I think a lot of us recruiters have to have to hold back on it because when we were brought into the industry, I, I was a barman before recruitment, and I drank more in recruitment than I did in the bar almost. So it, I think as I get older, it, it's really just managing your day and making sure that you're happy in in what you're doing and. Like remember what you're doing it for. You like, it's it's not it's not so you can do more recruitment. So you can have more life. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you just hit that spot on, man. And I'm realizing that you know, day in and day out, I'm spending more time with my kids. I'm just enjoying life, and and I think that what we what you and I do is we've created a lifestyle that yeah. is profitable. That we're helping other people and we're also making money. Dalton, thank you, thank you so much for 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 coming on, man. I I value our our relationship hopefully our friendship and you come to new york soon and we could we could go back to that recruitment drinking thing i mean i'm cool with that for a little yeah. bit every once in a while yeah. so just to wrap things up here ladies and gentlemen listening delta is a hustler straight up i mean you listen to his story it's awesome he's been in this for a long time and to be a great recruiter you need to have this kind of always on mentality but also know when to turn off and i think that's what's critical and really defining a lot of success knowing when to be hunting knowing when to be cultivating those are really the keys and that's mandatory and this manifests for us different in, differently in each of us but it's a required skill set you need to have as a recruiter and have that in spades and in today's market i mean especially now it's a candidate driven market and there's tons of recruiters out there recruiting in the us and internationally and you need to stand out and you need to brand yourself and that's what delta excels at and that is paying dividends and you can see this now and he has shown that hard work, dedication, and working alongside his spouse are keys to success and have been proven well for him. And again, I thank you immensely for having me early on in my own business and giving me an opportunity to shine. I appreciate that. And I look forward to continuing our peer relationship, our drinking relationship, sharing advice, sharing leads, hopefully, and some more stories. And recruitment is a hell of a fun. And it's exhilarating. And I tell you, it's a roller coaster. So if you're in on it early, or if you're a seasoned vet and you're looking for a change, please be sure to hit Delta up. He could certainly find somehow to place you and make a penny or a dollar off you. Delta, I really appreciate you having on my show. Where could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? On LinkedIn. I'm the guy with the weird name, D-U-A-L-T-A. Hit me up on there. Awesome. Dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And to everyone listening, thank you again for joining us on the pause class. Please be sure to follow us on all the social media channels. Links to the show, links to Dalton will all be below when I when I post this out there. And remember, I am That's for right. you. That's right, Startup Podcast as well. Yes, the podcast, his podcast, will definitely get that out there. Remember, the reason I have folks like him on is because I take my online relationships offline. We don't just keep it online. We don't just keep it on the keyboard. We reach out, we connect, and those are keys to our success. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Take care. Appreciate it. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.